You know, Jesus warned us that in the end times, deception like a virus will spread like wildfire. Disguised as the answer to all our problems, our secular culture can only offer replacements to the truth. The good news is that the truth of the Bible is the cure. In Pastor Jack Hibbs' new book called Living in the Days of Deception, he reveals the antidote to the lies we're told that have become increasingly harder to detect. From the inspiring foreword written by Mike Pompeo to the final chapters, Pastor Jack exposes how to combat deceptive spirits and equips us when we're deceived by the ultimate liar, Satan himself. Living in the Days of Deception by Jack Hibbs is a powerful must-read, and when you order, you can bundle by getting the DVDs and a downloadable link for a gift of any amount at jackhibbs.com radio. That's jackhibbs.com radio. Real Life presents the Jack Hibbs Podcast with intention and boldness to proclaim truth, equip the saints, and impact our culture. Hey everybody, we're going to be jumping into part two of our message titled, Jesus is not a God. Jesus is not a God. So grab your Bibles, get a friend. Let's do this together. Let's dive in. You can get the outlines of this podcast by going to jackhibbs.com slash podcast. Today, if this podcast lifts you up and encourages you to live a more fulfilled life in Christ, then make sure you leave us one of those five-star ratings. To us, that's like saying amen or yes. Then that rating will encourage others to listen. Now open your hearts to what God's Word has to say to you. Here is Jack Hibbs. Well, everybody, welcome back to our podcast. What we are doing is something that is so needful for everybody. I got to tell you straight up, it doesn't matter if you are a Christian, an atheist, a, an agnostic. It doesn't matter uh, if you are already into some sort of religious uh, process or system. With what I'm sharing with you in part one, which we put out there last time, this now being part two, is that we're, we're looking at a, a title uh, for this series, and that is, and it's to catch you uh, intentionally, and that is, Jesus is not a God. It's clever, right? Jesus is not a God. You say, wait a minute, I thought you Christians said Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Jesus is not a God. And the reason why the title is such is to grab your attention because Everyone else other than the Christian who understands biblical theology, who lets the Bible speak to them, speak to them for themselves, okay, understands that Jesus Christ is the eternal almighty God who was manifested in human form. To deny that is to be a cult member or to be cult thinking. That's the number one thing that makes a cult a cult. Cults have various outline aberrant doctrines, uh, which technically are not the issues at the beginning. What is the epicenter, the beginning doctrine where they make an error? Is that Jesus is not God. It's so funny, though, because... They're so vehemently committed to arguing with you how Jesus cannot be God manifested in human flesh. Uh, and they give you all their um, reasons as to why they believe that. But some of those religions turn right around and tell you how you can become a God. I find that hilarious. Uh, Mormonism is one of them. 
Look, I have Mormon friends. I love them as human beings. They're sweet, precious people. Hey, look, if you want to get something done, look for a Mormon. I mean, they, they, they'll get something done because they have to. Um, they've got to work their way into heaven. Uh, their Jesus is a God. The Mormon God, uh, Jesus, there's the God, uh, Adam God. Adam is a God in Mormonism. Uh, there's an infinite amount of gods in Mormon theology. You just don't hear that at your doorstep. Uh, we know, as we've been talking in our previous broadcasts, that uh, the Jehovah Witnesses say, well, uh, nobody, uh, nobody's a god, so the Mormons are all wrong, but you Christians are all wrong too because uh, Jesus cannot be God. Uh, the Jehovah Witnesses declare that Michael, the archangel, goes by a, uh, an additional name, the name of Jesus. They think Jesus is Michael, the archangel, um, and they deny his deity. And so to do that, they have to deny various parts of the Bible. And one of those sections is John's letter in his epistles, uh, specifically 1 John. We're picking it up. If you were with us last time, you have started to develop a list of scriptures that I'm walking you through, and we're, we're going to pick it up. So look, guys, if you missed the first broadcast, just click on uh, the one uh, before this and get up to speed. And so here we go. 1 John chapter 5, verse 20. 1 John 5, 20. The Bible says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. That's a comma there. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Now, you might want to argue that. Well, Jack, just hold on. Yes, it announces that Jesus is the Son of God, but we could all become sons of God, so that's no big deal. Um, it does say that uh, it is his son, Jesus Christ, Jesus being his name, Christ, Kyrios, or uh, Messiah in Hebrew, Savior. Okay, yeah, not a problem. But the verse ends by saying this is the true God and eternal life. Uh, you can't avoid that. Whoever the eternal life is, is God. Whoever God is, is eternal life. The Bible clearly here connects that the Son is eternal. You can only have one eternal, and that's God. Whoever that Son is who's eternal, it already says that he's the Son of God, which means that God is manifested. Jesus is the Son of God, meaning that he's the second person of the Trinity, and he has revealed himself to mankind. Notice this. The Father did not reveal himself to us tangibly. The Father did not do that. The Bible says that God is spirit, and those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the Father is spirit. When we read Old and New Testament accounts of visions of God, uh, we see uh, whoever the prophet is or the apostle is that is uh, describing the vision of heaven, they uh, speak of God and the Lamb of God seated next to him. But they see what appears to be a silhouette of light being the Father. The Holy Spirit did not 
personalize himself. The Holy Spirit did not make himself incarnate. The Holy Spirit is exactly that, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It is only Jesus, the Son of God, that is promised in the Old Testament scriptures and confirmed in the New Testament accounts that he became incarnate. Incarnate means he came and transformed from eternal God's spirit, being born through the conception of the Holy Spirit's work in Mary, and Mary brings forth Jesus from the womb. Jesus comes into this world born just like you and I did. Why? Because he's our Savior. But the Bible makes it clear that uh, he is our Savior God. He's the man God, you could say. Now, there was a lunatic years ago, I believe and it was in the 80s, uh, Bhagwan. Some of you oldies might remember Bhagwan. He was based out of southern Oregon. He came from India. He declared himself to be God, the God-man, Bhagwan. I'm God on earth. And you say, man, that's crazy. Yeah, well, you know what? It was remarkable. You can research it yourself. But... Um, he, he may he may have been crazy, but it, but uh, he made a lot of money because it just so happens that a lot of doctors, professionals, highly educated people for some reason flocked to his cult in Oregon and became followers of his. And I think at one point he had like five Rolls Royces. He had a bunch of corporate jets and all this stuff, but he wound up getting caught by the IRS and somehow he escaped. Uh, and got back to India somewhere. Who knows whatever happened to him? But he was a god. He said that he was God incarnate, that he was the God-man. Where did the demon that spoke that to him get that idea? Or where where did uh, Bhagwan, uh, gosh, I think his name was Rajneesh. This is scary because I'm going back decades. But where did Rajneesh get that idea, the God-man? Listen. Jesus predates that whole thing. Right now, today, in the 21st century, seated at the right hand of God the Father is God the Son, and Jesus will forever be the God-man. He's 100% God and 100% man to be our intercessor, our salvation, our eternal life. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, one of my favorite verses ever. 1 Timothy 3, verse 16, this is incredibly uh, graphic. Paul is arguing with Timothy to be ready to give an argument regarding Christ. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Here it comes. God was manifested incarnation in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. That is the mission statement capsulated in one verse regarding who is the Jesus of the Bible. Listen, Jesus is not a God. Jesus Christ is the God. And Paul seals the deal in one verse writing to Timothy. I want to read it again and look at it with me in your Bibles. Without controversy, without debate, Talk about it all you want. You're just wasting air. You're wasting time. You can get in controversies, but here's the answer. Great is the mystery of godliness. In other words, what he's going to tell you is super deep, but crystal clear. <laughs> God was manifested 
in the flesh. Who do you know in, uh, throughout all of humanity that according to a book, a belief system, that God was going to come to earth in human skin? Right now, you're all stumped, and you should be stumped because there's only one answer. It's the Bible. It's the Bible that announces this. And so, fast forwarding to the New Testament, Paul is saying that God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. It means that everything Jesus Christ did, he did by the Spirit of God. He did by the power of God. He did uh, by the authority of the Holy Spirit, which is why the Pharisees, when they said, we know how you cast out demons, Jesus, we figured it out in our religious knuckleheads. We came to this conclusion. You do it because you're the prince of demons. That's, that's who you are. You're working with Beelzebub. That's how you cast out demons. You're in cahoots with Satan. And you remember the, remember the response Jesus gave. He said, uh, can, a, can a house divided stand? Uh, you're, bla- you're attacking me for casting out demons? Uh, you're saying that I'm, I'm Satan's uh, cohort? And then he nailed them. He's, because the Jews have exorcists. They have exorcisms. And when Jesus said, then if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, who do your sins cast out demons by? They're like, oh my gosh, we didn't think that through all the way. That's great. He catches them in their own stupid arguments. Um, but no, the fact of the matter is justified in the Spirit uh, means that Jesus revealed the power and the person of the Holy Spirit as well, which, by the way, the conclusion was this. If you... Uh, Jesus said, all manner of sin will will be forgiven you in this life. If you sin against the Father, it will be forgiven you. And if you sin against the Son, it will be forgiven you. But he who sins against the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will never be forgiven in this world or in eternity. Never, Never will you be forgiven. Why? It's to come to the conclusion that what Jesus was doing was not the power of the Holy Spirit, but was demonic spirit. And so that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin. It's not being mean and ugly. It's not eating fattening food. It's not even suicide, as tragic as that is. The unpardonable sin is not believing the testimony of the Holy Spirit when he witnesses to you that Jesus Christ is God. The next thing in that fantastic verse is seen by angels. The, the Greek word is where we get the English word gawked at by angels. Whatever happened in the incarnation of Jesus Christ coming into the world in Bethlehem, when, and please, take this in the right spirit. When Mary got into the birthing position, it appears based on this one word that angels gathered around in the invisible realm, obviously, and they watched the birthing of the Son of God in human skin. They got singing by angels doesn't mean, oh, hey, Michael, Gabriel, there goes Jesus. That's not what it means. It means that when he came into the world and was manifested, his coming into the world was something that they had never seen before, and they gawked. It's what we would say, the angels were wide-eyed and (gasps) open-mouthed, in awe. Imagine little baby Jesus' head in the crowning starts to come out. The angels are looking. Maybe his arm came out first. We don't know. But they know. They were there. And whatever happened, they 
angels were gawking at the advent of Christ. Friends, that's awesome. You need to think that through for a moment. Preached among the Gentiles? Is that not self-explanatory? It's safe to say that nobody has covered the earth by radio, broadcast, preaching. I think Billy Graham, I forget what year it was, from Central Park, New York, preached live to two billion people were watching. It was the most, at that time, it was the most viewed broadcast of all time. What did he say? He gave the gospel. No one's ever done that regarding Muhammad. No one's ever done that regarding um, Joseph Smith or Charles Russell or Mary Baker Eddy. Uh, no one's ever done that regarding any other group. And even to this moment, Right now, today, even in the face of persecution, as I sit here right now in this podcast, uh, we have just come out of another Sunday, which in India, it was a bloody Sunday. In India, you guys know, uh, if you don't know, in India, uh, there is a wholesale slaughter going on of Christians. Mass martyrdom is taking place in India. Christians are being killed. And... Even in light of that, the number one message preached around the world every day of every hour of every moment of every month of year is the gospel of Jesus Christ found in the Bible. He was preached among the Gentiles. The Bible tells us, believed on in the world. Simply meaning this, that people's lives who were changed, those people's lives who were changed, turned around and changed the world. I'm going to very, very uh, uh, bluntly declare this. Go and look around at human history and find out what has been the greatest good in human history. That's just a test for you. In all of human history, what's been the greatest good in all of human history for everyone, for every culture, any culture? Check it out. Go look and see. What has been the greatest good for humanity since the dawn of man? It's not fire. It's not the United Nations. It's not Cracker Jacks. The greatest good that's ever been given to this world are the lives of the people who have been transformed by Jesus. Because do you know what happened throughout your ministry? They went and started hospitals. They went into places that you would never go, that I would never go in the deepest, most dangerous parts of Africa and South America in the rainforest in the, of, of the uh, Amazon. And they set up mission stations and they brought in doctors and they pulled teeth and they cleaned teeth and they stitched up wounds. They gave people medicine. They prayed and healed people. Uh, they, they did things like... Uh, like uh, Oh, what's his name? Elizabeth Elliot. What's her husband's name? Jim. Jim Elliot and uh, others like that uh, who went into the crazy places to hostile tribes to give them the love of God, even cost them their lives. Um, think about it. Uh, hospitals. Find out the origin of hospitals. Uh, check out the origin of universities, especially those of you who live in the United States. Uh, the uh, foundation for the education system in the United States is not even up for debate. The foundation for the educa educational system in the United States 
uh, were Christian universities, hands down. The first universities to get started in America, they, none of them were secular. They were all Christian. Now, you know, now, look, there's a debate as to who was the first. So William and Mary uni uh, College University, they argue with Harvard because both of them claim, we're older, no, we're older, we're older, no, we're older. Who cares? Both of them were established to create pastors, missionaries, and Christian workers. Did you know that? If Those of you who live in the Boston area... Uh, take some time off and go find the original uh, entrance to Harvard Gate, right? Before you go through the gate, stop and turn to your right and pull the bushes back. And there's that beautiful old original brick wall. There's a placard right there that gives you the mission statement of Harvard University. It tells you what it was established for. It's so obvious, I'm not even going to tell you right now. I'm going to make you go look. You'll be shocked. Oh, by the way, there's a reason why the current administration planted a big bush in front of the placard <laughs> to hide it. you got to pull back a bush to see it. Princeton, Yale, Harvard, uh, Dartmouth, remarkable. Check it out. Anyway, received up in the glory. Hey, is there a rumor that Jesus ascended? And went back to where he came from. Jesus himself said, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to come back. And when I come back, John 14, verse 1 to 3, when I come back, I'm going to pick you up from this earth and take you to myself. Titus chapter 2.13. This is one of my life verses. Titus 2.13. This is the Christian's attitude for today. It's never supposed to change. It is a constant barometer indicator every day for the Christian. Why? The Holy Spirit requires this of you. But that's okay, don't worry. The Holy Spirit makes this true in your life. In other words, what I'm about to read to you in Titus 2.13, the Holy Spirit gives you this thought and thereby keeps you prepared day by day by day, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. That's my mic drop. Friends, people, is Jesus God? He's the God. Looking for the blessed hope. What's that? Christ is coming back. How? It's our hope. Why? It's his glorious appearing. Why should we care? Why? How does that matter to us? Because he's our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You can't get around it. Period. John 8.58. John 8.58. Remember, all of this uh, is to the person that knocks on your door, trying to convince you to join their cult. And they'll tell you that eventually, they don't offer this up so quick, oh, we don't believe that Jesus is God. Well, John 8, 58, Jesus responded to people who were saying the same thing. We don't believe you're God. In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, Ego emi. In the Greek language, I am. It's the same in the Hebrew of Genesis 3 when uh, Moses meets God. Wait, Genesis 3? Sorry, no, no. Exodus 3. Exodus 3, where God meets Moses at the burning bush. Exodus 3. I'm having a brain freeze. Do you remember when Moses goes to the burning bush and the burning bush speaks to him 
And Moses says, this is amazing. This bush is on fire, but it's not being consumed. And the Lord speaks out of the burning bush to Moses and says, go down to the children of Israel and tell them that I am that I am has sent you. Okay. And so I think if you check out Exodus 3, you'll, you'll, you'll find that out. And it's remarkable because the exact same Hebrew word that God gave to Moses to go tell the children of Israel who he was talking to is the exact same in the Greek language of John 8, 58, when Jesus said, you guys ought to know by now that before Abraham was ever born, that I am. I'm the eternal one. Kind of hard to get around that. Okay. John 8, 24. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. A absolute direct declaration of deity. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the I am, that he, he, capital H, he is the I am, you will die in your sins. I don't care how religious you are. It's irrelevant. I don't, care if, I don't care if you're the Pope right now catching this podcast. Unless you're born again, Mr. Pope, you're not making it to heaven. And you're, listen, if you think you're something, you need to check out Nicodemus. You're nothing compared to Nicodemus. And Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Jesus said, Nick, unless you're born again, you're not going to go to heaven. And that's true about the Pope. And if it's true about the Pope, it's true about the pauper, about all of us. Unless you're born again, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. You will die in your sins unless Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life plus nothing. That you put faith in his death and resurrection for you plus nothing. Very, very important. John chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. John 10, 32, 33. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? Okay, so I've been doing miracles. Why are you going to kill me? Uh, so tell me which one ticked you off. <laughs> the Jews answered and said to him, For a good work we do not stone you. Those miracles are quite spectacular, Jesus. No, that's not why we want to kill you. But for blasphemy. Okay, that is a big deal. Why? Because you, being a man, declare yourself to be God. Have you ever had somebody tell you, have you ever heard somebody tell you, Jesus never claimed to be God? Oh, yeah? John 10, verses 32 and 33. Isn't it awesome, by the way, Jesus said, uh, you guys upset about the miracles? I mean, he knew exactly what was going to happen. So you guys upset, gee, I'm really sorry. What miracle offended you? Oh, no, no, your miracles are spectacular. They're amazing. Everybody's talking about them. No, 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 we're going to kill you. <laughs> because you've committed blasphemy because you've told everybody, you've told us that you're God. And that's, that's it. We, you're done. They understood exactly. My friends, 2,000 years ago, his opponents understood that Jesus was declaring himself to be God. Not a God, the God. Titus 2.10, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Who's the Savior? How many Saviors do we have? Only one. Remember, we talked about Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the one who was, who is, who is to come, the Almighty. We only have one. You can only be one. There's only one. God is one, the Bible says. Well, there's only one Savior. There's only one God. 
And Jesus Christ is our Savior. Jesus Christ is, in fact, God. Jude chapter 1, verse 24. Jude 1, 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you uh, faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise. Wow, that's awesome. That's epic. Um, Listen, we can keep going, I don't think. We'll make this a three-parter uh, because I have some more, but it's been, it's, uh, it's been long enough. Uh, process this. Put the two previous, now this being a previous, this podcast together with the previous podcast, get a small group together, uh, send this out, copy, uh, share it to other people. This could save their eternal lives. Friends, listen. The gospel is actually being given right now in, in the series of these podcasts. Okay, for those of you who say, well, I just preach the gospel. Well, I, <laughs> this is the gospel. When you say I just preach the gospel, you better, you better be careful you know what you're talking about. Because the gospel is repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Starts with repentance. Why? Because he's God, we're not. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who the Bible says there is no name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's that name, the name that is above all names, that every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that what? That the Holy Spirit is Lord? No, but he is. That the Father is Lord? No, but he is. The answer is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he is. So listen, share this, please. The greatest thing you can do is to encourage us by increasing these numbers. I know that sounds goofy. We're not numbering people. What we're saying is what's encouraging is getting the numbers up because more people are listening, which means you and I working together are spreading the gospel together. We've got to do this together. We've got to hurry up. I want to hurry up and I want to get out of here, don't you? We want to finish the work that God has given us to do. So listen, we want you to subscribe. We want you to stay up to date. You can do that by, as always, going to jackhibbs.com. But um, what we love for you to understand is that it's time for you to live out what you believe in. And that's why we call this ministry Real Life. It's time for you to live out your real life as a Christian. So it's time for you to live out what you believe in it's time for real life that's what that's what our jingle is we think it's practical and usable but please share with others god bless you guys uh as always people have emailed us and text us and people were asking me last night how can we pray for you and the ministry very very uh, for me it's an infinite perfectly wonderful prayer request here it is are you ready pray this dear god in heaven give jack and the team your favor in Jesus' name, amen. That prayer, request, that prayer covers everything in life, okay? Hey, until next time, God bless you guys. This Jack Hibbs podcast, as well as all the broadcast outreach opportunities, are listener-supported. Will you consider partnering with us through a special gift? Go to jackhibbs.com to learn more and stay connected. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.